evening. I'm back from my trips to LA and to Israel. And Baruch Hashem, both of them were very good, very successful trips. Uh, you can see the, the two lectures that I made in LA, it's on the website. One was in the valley, one was in Beverly Hills. Hundreds of people came on both. It was very good. It was both very long lectures, like three hours longer than three hours. Almost everyone stayed until the end, and plus an extra hour after, people grabbed the CDs. All of them are gone, Baruch Hashem. It was very good. And uh, in Israel, is, uh, it's very interesting. On one hand, the media is doing everything they can to make religion look ugly and be there. But in reality, many of the youth, many of the people are waking up. I was in Shabbaton in Afula, it's in the north. When I was very young, I used to go there, there were hardly any religious people there. Few traditional and that's it. Now they close some streets on Shabbat. The synagogues are full, lots of young people in their 20s, in their 30s, Shomer Shabbat, very interesting. The CDs and the, and the videos and the internet, all the lectures that people hear, definitely makes a big change. Uh, so, Baruch Hashem, you know, now I'm back here, and uh, <laughs> I already got a lot of emails. What happened? You stopped giving lectures? Because there's not that many lectures in the last week. Already people are <laughs> kind of panicking. I said, no, no, I was away. I just want to just refresh your memory. You don't need to call me or ask me where I am. It's all on the calendar. On my website, on the front page, you go to divineinformation.com. You see on the top, it's events. There's a calendar. You open it. It shows you where, what. Sometimes even we put a topic. Uh, that's it. And the last lecture that we gave when I was still here, uh, in, uh, it's called Path of, uh, to the Just. Uh, it's Musar, it's a uh, Jewish Ashkafa direction according to Judaism. Uh, we finished five lectures so far. This is the sixth one in this series, uh, Path, to the, Path to the Just. And the last thing we did, just to refresh our memory, is speaking about being careful. We didn't finish it. We stopped somewhere in the middle. It's chapter five of Mesilat Yisharim, the Ramchal Lutzato, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, one of the greatest Kabbalists we had in history. He lived about 230 years ago in Padova in Italy. And we will continue. The last, the last thing that we said in the last lecture is uh, that, uh, that we spoke about the 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 ability of a person to make tshuva, it's similar to a person who made a vow, neder, and now you go to a big chacham and he's like dismissing the, the neder, but it's not canceling the neder, it's like taking it out of the root, like it never took place, which is inter it's different. There's, there's a difference than when you cover something and it's not, not exist, but it's still there, but you cover it then you take it completely from the root and it's like never been there. And I gave an example of Rabbi Akiva, when I was 40 years old, was cleaning horses by the house of the richest Jew of Jerusalem, Kalba Savua, his name was, 
and Kalbasa had a daughter named Rachel, who was a very beautiful, righteous girl. And she liked Rabbi Akiva. Before he was a rabbi, he was a complete ignorant person. Didn't know Aleph Bet, didn't know how to read, to write. Four years old, cleaning horses. How a daughter of a big, wealthy rabbi, Chacham, fall in love with a man like this? The answer is she saw that he's shy and he has great personality, good traits. And she made a deal with him. She said, I'm willing to marry you in one condition, that you leave everything and you go to learn Torah. It's very strange marriage because he went for 24 years. From the minute they got married, she saw him only when he came back, when he was 64, with 24,000 uh, students came with him. And then one of the people who came to welcome him was her father. He made a vow that he will never give a penny to his daughter after she went with someone so ignorant. So when he came back, obviously he didn't recognize him. He was older with a beard, he's an important rabbi, with so many students after him, follow him. So he told him, this was something very interesting. He told him, tell me, if you would have known when you made the vow, if you would have known that your son-in-law will be a big rabbi one day, would you make the vow? He said, not only I wouldn't make it, even if I knew he know a little bit Torah, doesn't have to be a rabbi, just a little bit Torah, if I knew he's already, you know, he knows a little bit Torah, I would already never make this vow. I didn't ask for the biggest rabbi in the world, just somebody who knows something. He just didn't know anything. So he told him, your vow is dismissed. It's like never took place because when you made it, you had the wrong information. The vow was made based on the wrong information because you thought that this is it and now obviously the situation is different than what you thought. I am your son-in-law. Right away he gave him half of his wealth. I was the richest guy in Israel. Half of his wealth right away. This is one of the six sources that Rabbi Akiva became a wealthy man in the end of his life. As the Gemara promised, everyone who struggled learning Torah in his young age will end up with lots of wealth. Which means if you give up work, you don't go to college, you don't run to business, you don't kill yourself running from one meeting and one show to the other, and you sit and learn Torah, and everyone says to you, hey, what's going to be with you? You don't make a living, you don't work, what's going to be? Don't worry. The end, the second part of your life, you will be a wealthy man. And we have a lot of people like this in Israel. They grew up in Yerushalayim in a very poor neighborhood. They went to learn Torah all their life. One day they became big rabbis. They started to sell books. They became very famous. Millions of their books were sold all over the world. They make a few dollars of each book. And then all the wealthy people started to run after them for blessing and build them beautiful synagogues and got them cars and anything they wanted. All they had to do just to say what they, their place needs. And all the millionaires were running after them and giving them fortune. I just, when I was now in Eretz Israel, I, I, someone just told me that there is a rabbi who decided to close his yeshiva now. And he had 150 learners there. Why? Moshe Sava, Alava Shalom, the Mexican Jew that just got killed in a helicopter crash a year ago, was giving him $150,000 every month automatically. By the, end of, by the beginning of the month, 150,000 used to go to him. Since he passed away, things changed. His oldest son is 20, 21 years old. I don't know what changed over there. 
He's told that he cannot reach this money. Obviously, nobody in Israel is capable of giving him such an amount, and it doesn't pay for him to, you know, to keep it on. He doesn't have the money. But just to show you what amounts of money these people raised. And obviously, you know, when you struggle, when you're young, to learn Torah, you give up your desire for money, don't worry, you won't lose the money. Nobody ever lost money because he's doing what Hashem told him to do, to learn Torah. And once the Jews will realize it, everything will be fine in the world. The problem is that the Satan is making sure that you will never realize it. Also, I wanted to do this shiur, the refuat, Zion ben Avraham, a person who comes from time to time to my lecture. Two years ago, he had an open heart surgery. He's not even an old man, he's a young person. I would say about 50, maybe. He had an open heart surgery. He was in a hospital in Yom Kippur. Uh, actually, in Rosh Hashanah, the story taking place. So in Rosh Hashanah, he was in his bed in the morning crying that he cannot go to shul to pray. Like every Yom Adin is in a hospital connected to machines. After they open up his chest and saved his life, now he needs months of recovery, two years ago. So he was crying that he cannot hear shofar today. While he was 10, 20 minutes crying in his bed, Somebody knocked on his door, and a chassid opened the door, and he said, excuse me, are you Jewish? And he said, yes. He said, did you hear shofar today? He said, no. I saw, I saw, I saw him crying there. He blew the shofar for him. See what happened when a person cried? The same Zion, his sister called today that he has a very critical surgery tomorrow in his liver some kind of infection, serious infection in his liver, they have to operate on him. So they were supposed to come here, it's very interesting. She called in the morning to ask the address of the place. And a few hours later she called that he's in a hospital, expecting an emergency surgery for tomorrow. So hopefully, Bezrat Hashem, this Devre Torah will be for his refuah. Uh, so we'll continue. We're in chapter five in Mesilat Yesharim, Things that attracts person's attention and prevent him from being careful in his mission of following God. This is basically the translation of what it says. And it says like this, there are three things, three things that attracts the person's mind and attention and prevent him from being a righteous person. Three things. There's many things, thousands of things, but three major categories. What are they? One is every day's things that he's bothered with. Everything, little things, work, these, children, that, all the time he's busy. He doesn't have enough time to focus on his real mission in life. Second, Joking, comedy, laughing, attention, shows, Broadway, movies, who knows what. All the things that Moshav Letzim, that's on. And the third one, bad company. Bad friends, bad family, bad cousins, bad uncles, bad parents sometimes, neighbors wrong school, wrong friends, sitting in his class, 
automatically takes away the holiness from him. Even if he goes, he learns here and there, he listens to lecture, he has his iPad, he's sitting half of the day listening, the other half of the day, all these wicked people and the clowns around him takes away all his holiness right away. And it's very, very difficult for him to get closer and closer to Hashem. He comes close, two or three steps closer, right away falls right back. Two or three steps closer, right away falls back. And eventually, after 10 years, you see, you see, this person is still the same like he was 10 years ago. What really happened? College, friends, neighbors, family, birthday, this, that party, this one, wedding, bar mitzvah. See all the clowns around him in his family, and all, the t- all they talk about is nonsense. None of them really serves Hashem with Yirat Shamaim. And eventually, this person doesn't come closer to Hashem. So three things. One, business, everyday botherings. Second, being a clown, attention, jokes, all kinds of things like this. And third, bad company. And the Ramchal is beginning now to analyze one by one. Well, a person is busy with everyday's activities. He doesn't leave enough attention to the things that are really important. It's busy, checks, mail. Advertisement, company, business, secretary, breakfast, coffee, where we're going to go to lunch, who's going to come, when he's going to come, parking lot, the car, I get a ticket, I don't get a ticket, all these things. Right away, he's bothered with so many things that he doesn't have enough time for Hashem. All the time, he's busy with all these things that every day is activity. So, the person cannot pay attention to what he really has to do. Obviously, he doesn't have enough time to learn Torah. I just was in Israel. I went to visit my cousin. If you remember from previous lecture, I told you, my cousin is one of the most important people in the world. From seven billion people, you can count him on one end. And I'm not exaggerating. And you know what it is? From early in the morning, he's learning Torah. Seven in the evening, he's finishing. He goes home quickly, half an hour. He eats something. He spends some time with his family. And right after that, he goes right into a small, tiny room, the size of this bathroom right here, with his students, like sardines. No, they can't afford a big place. They come for the second part of the night, sitting in a small room with a little heater in Yerushalayim. It's, it's a cold now. It's raining. Winter. For us, it's a joke, this winter. For me, I was sweating. And everyone's sitting like this with blankets and the heat. You know, but for us, we used to this kind of weather, it's not, but for them, it's, you know, so they sit over there with the Gmarot, disconnected from the world, connected to Hashem, you know, 100%, it's like this infusia in the, in the vein of a person, you take it out, he cannot get what he needs, that's how they connect to Hashem. So I saw him, how he comes, I waited in a car, he didn't know I'm waiting for him, surprise. His wife told me he's on the way, he walks. Five minutes walk from his house to the room. How he walks like this, his hand on the ground, never looks around. All the time connects to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he's an expert in Ramchal. Every book of the Ramchal, it tells you by heart. Hundreds of times he learned each one of them. He's a world expert in this. So, <coughs> he learns Torah all day. There's no other way. You have to be connected to Hashem. He had to go, business, Tel Aviv, that, meetings, shopping malls, sitting in a restaurant, waitresses, this. 
right away without realizing it takes you away from Hashem. You have to know, there's no other way. There's no, sometimes people say, what's the problem? So you work, you make a living, and at the same time you learn Torah, what? Why people have to send you money? You have to sit in yeshiva and learn. Go to work. In this generation, there's no possibility to do both. You want to go to Manhattan to work and then go to learn Torah? It's like putting water in a bucket with a big hole. Just exactly the same. No really, no difference. Because it's like wasting time. Whatever you gain, you lose right after, in the afternoon. It's not like it used to be. Remember, 40, 50, 60 years ago, you used to go to do business. First of all, most people were religious. And the women were very modest. And there was dignity, respect, the way people talk to each other. Handshake was handshake. You can give a person a million dollar merchandise in diamond. You shake his hand. You don't even know where he lives. You don't have to worry. World was a world. Today, everything changed. It's a different world today. So it says like this. Lo amaretz chasid. A person that is ignorant cannot be a chasid, cannot be a holy, righteous person. Ignorance is the biggest danger to the life of a person. I say that hundreds of times before. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the creator of the world, created the evil inclination inside the person, he gave them the remedy for that, the medicine, which is the Torah. And there is no other medicine. Put it in your head 100%. If you think there is any other remedy, any other medicine for against the evil inclination besides Torah, you are 100% wrong. There is no shortcuts. No holy rabbis or all kinds of babot will give you a blessing and you become right away Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It's not going to work. In order for you to be righteous, you have to be a devoted person and work very, very hard to reach this level. If, you know, I'll give you an example. One rabbi, a secular person, came to him a week before Rosh Hashanah and gave him a big, big uh, bag full of cash, $100 bill, thousands of dollars inside the bag. So Rabbi, here, for you. The Rabbi said to him, thank you very much, I appreciate it, but please take it back. I don't take it from you. He said, why Rabbi? Because I'm not Shomer Shabbat? You don't want to take my money? He said, no. There are ways to take money from people who are not Shomer Shabbat. You just have to know what to use it for. But it's necessary. You need it. And it's permitted. No problem. So what's the problem in that case? I know that if I'm going to take this money from you, you will never make repentance. You're giving this money to relax your conscience. I don't want to be a part of your crime. By me receiving it is helping you to stay wicked. Take it. I give up the money. For me, it's better you keep Shabbat than giving me this money. Come back when you keep Shabbat and you know you're on the right track. I'll be more than happy to take the money. And I desperately need it. But I won't take it. Taking it from you is like putting a stamp. Wicked for the rest of your life. He shook him up. You understand? This is really the right way. How many people you have that will do it? That's another story. But this is really the right way. So it says to him like this. The Ramchal says, 
It says like this, Barat Yetzirah, Barat Yerolot, Torat Avlin. Hashem said, Barat, I created the evil inclination, and I also gave you the answers against it, which is the Torah. And this is what the Gemara says in Masechet Chagiga in the Yerushalmi, the, Yerush, the Jerusalem Talmud, there's the Babylonian and the Jerusalem Talmud. The Jerusalem Talmud was written a little bit before the Babylonian. That's why the Halacha, the Jewish law, is determined based on the Babylonian Talmud, not on the Jerusalem Talmud. Why? They're both very holy rabbis. That's not the issue. The issue is that the second Talmud saw the first one, and after reviewing the first one, wrote what he wrote, that for sure it's more reliable. The second one, for instance, if two rabbis come to speak, one says first speech, please have a, yeah, right here, all over. So if one rabbi, right, one rabbi says something, and a generation after him, somebody else says something, and he saw what the first one said, and after he saw it, he wrote what he wrote, then what do you know? The second one has an advantage on the first one. The first one didn't see what the second one saw. You understand? So me seeing what you say and saying what I'm saying, then it's more reliable. Let's move on. So this is what God say. I wish that those who doesn't want to be religious would leave me, God say. I prefer they leave me, but they stay connected to my Torah to learn every day. Fine. How can it be? How a person who learns Torah can be disconnected from God? So I have news for you. There are people who sit 10, 12 years in yeshiva, learns Torah, and they have a doubt if the Torah is from God or not. Hard to believe, right? How do you know? By the way they behave. If a person learns medicine, and he tells his patients this and this and that, and then you see him with a cigarette, then you know everything he preached, he doesn't believe in. If he tells his patients cigarettes kill, it causes 80 sicknesses, it causes this, it causes that, and this and that, and because of that, that's all he talks about. And then someone caught him in his house smoking. You know, he's not believing in what he's saying. Some people learn, but they really live the opposite of what they say. From the outside, it looks great. I, I went today to pray in a place, Mincha, and I always know that they start the Shmona Esre five minutes to two. They officially announced that it's quarter to two. But since the rabbi is such a righteous man, it takes him more than ten, more than ten minutes to say korbanot and ashre shvebetecha. He said word by word, very slow, very holy man. So I already know to arrive five to two, which exactly the Shmona Esre start. They say the Kaddish, I know exactly by the second. Today I showed up, they almost finished the entire thing. So one man was coming out. I said, what happened today? Usually they're just starting now. How they finished? He said, the rabbi is not here today. <laughs> so I went into the apartment. After two minutes, I went to my home. My wife said, didn't you say you're going to Mincha? How you came back in two minutes? So I told her you should learn a lesson in life. Most people are religious close to the rabbi, in front of him. But when the rabbi is not around, they mamash like goyim. They're not really serving Hashem. They're serving what the rabbi think about them. But tomorrow they want to marry their children. They won't have a bad reputation. The rabbi goes for six months. Maybe he will put an earring for six months until the rabbi comes back. What people think about him? You put him in Zimbabwe now for five years over there, no Jews? Who knows what to expect? 
All of a sudden, no white shirt, no black hat, praying once every three months instead of three times a day. Just before he comes back to New York or to Jerusalem, all of a sudden he becomes a tzaddik, grow his beard again, put his custom again, Baruch Hashem. This is, this is a real Jew. It's fake. This is, just, this is the way it is, it is in Islam, in Iran. All this Persian cover from head to toe, soon as the plane take off to Paris, all of them take the custom off, tie jeans, red lipsticks, opening their hair. They all became French in one minute. <laughs> Let them do it in Iran. We'll see what's going to happen to them. They have police women. They grab them into the car, and you never see your mother again, ever, or sister. Nobody knows where she is. No trial, no lawyers, no nothing. You walk not mothers in the street, check on YouTube. They have videos how people film with their cell phone. They grab you from the street, put you inside, never, nobody knows where you are. If you're lucky, they'll return after a few years with the leg, without the leg, with all kinds of problems. But that's not the right way. A person has to be righteous just because God is watching him, nothing else. Nothing else. And uh, so the Ramchal continue and he say, God say, I wish, I wish they would leave me, but still stay connected to my Torah. Why? Because if a person learns Torah, it's just a matter of time that he would cure him and bring him back on the right track. If he really learns. Or Sheba Machzirola Mutav, the spiritual light of the Torah, brings the person back on the right track, one way or the other. That's why when parents call and say, what should I do with my kids? They're off the derech, they're going off the way. I say to them, bribe them. Bribe them. If you can afford, instead of buying another stupid plasma or another trip to Europe or to Florida, take the money and tell the children, if you finish this book, I'll give you $100. If you finish this book, $200. But I'm going to test you on the book. Read and start reading. He wants the money. He doesn't care about the book. But half of the book is going to get into his mind. And one day you see the result. You understand? That's what it is. That's it. If a person doesn't do it on his own will, Make him do it. I also tell people, make them watch the video. No, they're not interested. So I say, pay them by the hour. It's a four-hour film, Torah and Science. Tell them, I give you $20 every hour you watch. What kid doesn't want to get 80 bucks for four hours sitting and watching? Huh? So bad? So give him 40 bucks an hour. Find a way. Many people say, I did everything I can, but they don't want. Beloni, if it was really important to the parents, he would make sure the, the kid will watch. Even if it cost him $500, he will watch in the end. And if he watch, it will go into his heart and make him look at the things that he does wrong. And there is a higher chance that he's going to stop. And that's it. Because most people do what they do because they're not aware or they do not understand how severe is their things that they're doing. Once they realize, wow, then they change. Then it says like this, the second category that distract a person from coming closer to God is being a clown. 
asking for attention all the time, wants to be the hero of every place he goes to. Everything should be around him. Every second thing, he make a funny comments all the time. This, just what, like in a, in a class, there's always at least one or two clowns, the nightmare of every teacher, you know? People who likes to make a lot of noise, that shows that their inside is empty. Should know that. Someone who's full of wisdom doesn't have any needs to show his wisdom, unless if he has a mental disease called pride. If he's proud, you know, it's a, it's a mental disease, fine. He needs a treatment to explain to him that pride and ego, it's really a serious problem. But if he's not, if that's not the problem, then someone like that, he doesn't have to show his knowledge. He's already secure. He's confident with himself. What's the point of showing? Usually it's the people with the empty mind that always do things from the outside for people to pay attention to them. It's also by the ladies. A woman that is holy and full of wisdom and modesty, she doesn't look flashy. She's very nice, her hair is picked up. I'm talking by the not religious people, that they don't know religion. Look, in, you go to Tel Aviv. You go to the classy women who learns a lot and know how they dress, the way they dress. Hardly no makeup, everything solidic like this. And then you go to the tacky places, all kinds of colors, flashy, shiny things, tons of gel, hair, all kinds of, it looks like a, like a light on a street. Why is it? The inside is so empty, there is a great need from the subconscious to attract attention. So they go to the wedding, they put millions of diamonds and everything. Make sure everyone will notice me. You understand? And if it doesn't help, then she begins to scream a lot. Like she cares about the waiter and this. She just want to do it because she wants attention. And everything that these ladies do is actually against the Torah. The woman should not scream, should not attract attention, should not be flashy, should not be all these things. So, the, so being a clown, what does it mean being a clown? Someone who drowned into that bad habit, it's like drowning in the middle of the ocean in a very deep water and it's very difficult to save a person like this, to locate him, to dig him out of the water. He's like a drunk or like a complete fool. And people like this, do not accept, do not accept speeches or corrections or criticism. Very difficult to correct a clown who all he cares about is his ego and attention. Somebody comes and criticizes him for something he does, this is like a night, this is a, a third world war. You're risking your life with people like this. And this is what King Solomon wrote. King Solomon wrote, what's the benefits of all these phony laughing and jokes? What do you get by that? Nothing, zero. And Chazal, our sages wrote in, in Masechet Avot, in Egmara, This kind of jokes and funny, all the time being funny, trying to be funny, Making a person, making serious scenes with the ladies. It starts with telling her a joke when they go out to lunch break. 
and another one, and another one, and the rest I don't have to tell you what. And sometimes the way a person is, that the person know that to go and make a scene with a woman, you can kill me, I won't do it. It's Isur Karet. How am I going to do it? I'm a Jewish man. She's a Jewish woman. It's Isur Karet. She's, she's impure, Nida. She's not a married woman. She cannot go to the wedding. Making a scene with her, it's a destruction for her and me together. So how would I do such a thing? No, of course not. So how in the end the person ended up doing it two or three months later? When you, when you approached him, here, there's an opportunity to make a scene. He went angry. You crazy? This is what you're telling me? You're crazy? You want me to destroy my eternity? What is going on with you? But two, three months later, you heard that he did the scene anyway. What, he jumped from here to there? No. This is how it was. Slowly, slowly, this habit of attention and being funny and all the things slowly, slowly make him closer and closer to the scene, one step after the other, until he fall in it and cannot come out of it. And one more problem by being a clown, that there is no time to regret and repent. You're busy laughing all the time. There is really no time to regret and repent. Very difficult to repent. Someone who is a joker, naturally a joker, it's very difficult for him to be serious, not when he prays, when he learns, he all the times is busy with the things. It's very difficult. And the prophet Isaiah was screaming about it. And he says, Leave the jokes aside. Bottom line, all these things that I'm saying can be concluded in one or two words. Person has to be serious. That's it. Serious person. Not old. I always tell the kids when I see that they start telling all kinds of jokes and imitations to attract attention, right away I ruin the pleasure for them. Why are you telling all these jokes, all these imitations, all that? Why? Why is it? He wants attention. That's not going to get you anywhere. You got to be a serious person. Then the Gemara says like this, Alets mevi surim alav. One more problem. Being a clown attracts suffering to your life. How many jokers know that by all these jokes and imitations that they do all the time, they actually attracting sufferings to their own life? How many people knows about it? Most, none of them knows. They have no idea that it's, that's what's happening. Where does it say it? In Mishle, in King Solomon. Mishle Yutet. Shfatim. In Haggadah of Pesach, we say, Hashem Asa Shfatim. He brought hard decrees on the Egyptians. Shfatim, it's come from the word Mishpat. God is judging them in a very severe judgment. The same thing is said about someone that is a joker. He brings to his life lots of judgment. Why? Because being a clown, taking away the ability to judge yourself. You know, uh, everything, yeah, that's why you're so fanatic. Take it easy. This kind of approach, this kind of behaving, makes a person unable to judge himself and obviously can never improve spiritually. 
So it's all measure for measure. You don't want to judge yourself, I'll judge you severely. Until a person realizes that his way doesn't get him anywhere. If a person comes and says to you, come on, why don't you mix, mingle with all the people here? You're so selfish, you always isolate yourself. So the answer should be, this is the, one of the greatest people who ever live in this world. I'm not talking to you in my name here. Don't make mistake here. I'm reading to you word by word. It's a answer him, I'm willing to mingle with human beings, not people who behave like animals. People naked and they sit by the bar and they drink alcohol and smoke drugs and exchange telephones to go make scenes and live like animals in a field. I don't want anything to do with this kind of people. If I want to be holy, I better behave holy. If I want to be an animal, I could have been an animal. What's the, what's the point of having a divine soul inside of me to behave like a monkey or a dog in a field? Well, what's, what's the point? If I have a divine soul inside of me, I better take care of it. It's a big responsibility. Cannot be a monkey, cannot be a dog. You know, that's why a person cannot touch a woman before they make a special agreement, ceremony, with holiness, with blessing, with all kinds of things. Monkeys, they don't need ceremonies. What's the problem? They meet, that's it. They have babies. No problem. Nobody tells them what to do. Get, divorce, agreement, witnesses, none of these things. What else? It says like this. The book of Tehillim starts, Ashrei Aish Asher Lo Alach, is did not sit among clowns, but not the clowns you think in a circus that come to make the kids happy. That's no problem. It could be a mitzvah. Make little children happy, it's fine, no problem. I'm talking moshav letzim, like a soccer game, basketball game, all kinds of concerts, all kinds of dancing, this show, everyone is attracted to it so much, in the end they have no time for God. Today, did you hear what happened today? In Egypt, two, two Arabic uh, teams had a soccer game. One team won the other. They started to kill each other, the Egyptian Arabs. 73 people so far are dead in a soccer game. 73 so far, it's going to get to 100 probably, because there's many wounded. You know what's going on here? You understand? They go to watch a game. Some team kick a piece of uh, leather into the net. And that's now a reason that brothers, Egyptian brothers, the all Ishmaelim, will kill each other now because the piece of leather went into the wrong net, according to their opinion. You understand the reason for the killing? This is what's happening when you're a clown. Do you think it's only by the Arabs? No, it can happen everywhere. It happens in England. It even happens in Israel. Maybe people don't murder yet, but there are definitely violence about stupid sport. And the way these kids raised is that sport is the most important thing in life. Why do you think people created sport? What's behind it? Everything people created has a purpose. Why they created this competition, this sport? Why? Because most people individually are loser and bidder. By joining a group, successful group, being a part of a successful group, it brings them up, supposedly, and let them feel the illusion that I'm a winner. But really, in reality, what do you care that this NBA star 
shoot the ball and get $10 million a month, or the other one knows how to kick the ball. Well, what do you gain by that? But he's a fan of that group. He feels like he's one of the owners of the team. You know, I'm, I'm a part of the unit, like the soldiers. The one who makes coffee to the soldiers who go and uh, kill Bin Laden in America, when they ask him, what do you do? I'm in that unit. He doesn't say he makes coffee and clean the bathroom. He's a part of the group. That's what's happening. And what else? King David wrote, He said, God, I want you to know, even if I stand in front of kings that disrespect you, non-Jewish kings, don't respect the Torah, whatever, and they're all fancy, I will still look like a Jew and I'm not embarrassed. Even though all this king speaks about nonsense and business and wealth, I'm not embarrassed. In front of them, I would look like a Jew and talk only words of Torah. They want it, fine. They don't want it, let them live. You understand? So, it says like this. We're continuing now. Uh, so far, I was speaking about being careful in every day's life. When you pay attention to the little details, then your chance to be righteous is much higher. Now we're moving to chapter six. It's called Midat Azrizut, hard-working person, hard and fast for everything that is positive. The, the Zehirut, the, the Zehirut, being careful, is the Ramchal writes, is mainly for the restrictions of the Torah. When a person is careful, He's not violating the restrictions of the Torah. You should not, you should not, you should not. 365 times it's mentioned in the Torah. So a person that is careful, he is watching if the food is kosher or not. If it's not kosher, he doesn't touch. He's careful. But that's not enough. Now we are talking about the positive commandments. You should do, you should do, you should do. Creation. You should create, you should do. That's called zrizut, being hardworking and active focusing and putting your energy on the right things in life. What is it? The Torah says in Masechet Avot, be strong like a tiger, like a leopard, and light like an eagle. How can it be light like an eagle? It's the heaviest bird. Why? They couldn't ask, uh, be light like a dove, like a little bird, like all these little birds. Why? An eagle is a very massive, it could be six feet wide. Huge eagle. Well, an eagle is a heavy bird. But why they say eagle light like an eagle? Compared to his size, he's flying the highest from all the birds. To be a tiny and light, flying with the wind, that's not being a hero. To be very heavy and go to the highest level, oh, that's an effort. That's why they say light like an eagle in comparison to his body. No, and then what? Rats katzvi, run like the deer. Why deer? There are many animals who run just as fast. Deer runs like 60 miles an hour. But there are some of the, of the animals who run faster. So why they use the deer as an example? Because the deer run, 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 and stop, pause, and turn around and check the situation, and then run, 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 and stop, and check the situation, and then all the other animals run like fools. <laughs> they run, that's it. But the deer calculates. Oh, where should I turn? Where? 
the danger is over, yes, no, he's checking what's going on. And a hero like the lion. Why a hero like the lion? Because lion is not afraid of any other animal. It's the king of the animals. It's not afraid. It's a very, it's very brave animal. Nothing scares the lion. Did you ever hear a lion? Did you ever hear a lion when he makes his nose, when he roar, especially at night? Why the noise at night is much louder than the noise during the day? Who knows? If, if the lion roar at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or at 10 o'clock at night, at night is much, much harder. Why? Because of the sun. What's the connection? The waves of the, of the noise, the voice that comes out of the mouth, is getting, is getting cut by the, by the sun. The sun cutting the, the waves. So they come uh, slower than before. But at night there is no sun. So the waves travel faster. So the noise is much louder. That's why every little whisper at night you hear it in a house. But during the day you don't hear anything. But uh, I one time went next to the safari in Ramat Gan in Israel. And the lions from the other side of the world. And you hear it from far away, believe me. From a hundred yards away, they roar and it frees your blood. You feel like your blood is freezing from this noise, scary noise that they make. Bottom line, besides being lazy, like in a, you see the Bronx Zoo, 30 years, the lion is in the same spot on a rock. People take picture of him, they bring him the food, doesn't move from the rock. Besides being lazy, the female does all the work by the lions. <laughs> it reminds me of someone, I don't want to say who. But the wife does everything. And the men just come, where is my dinner? And my lechaim? That's a bad. Brave they are. They're very brave. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so we continue now. It says like this. Gam mashchit. A person wants to get, get a ten on the beach every day. And his father, which is a religious man, he says to him, go and learn Torah. Go do something with your life. And he said, what do you want from me? I'm not making any sins. All I'm doing is laying by the pool or by the beach, getting ten and swim. You should be happy I'm not making sins. True or false? Let's see. It says like this. Someone who's lazy doing nothing. In America they ever say lazy good for nothing. Really should be lazy, do nothing, not good for nothing. He's doing nothing. He's <laughs> is a brother of a terrorist. Terrorist comes to destroy it. He's only laying, getting, laying down, doing nothing. Laying down, doing nothing positive is almost like being a destructive person. Why? You have an opportunity to create positive things in your life for your eternity. And you're wasting your time on laying down and doing nothing, getting up at 12. By the time he gets to work, by the time he finishes, eh, there's nothing with his life. I knew a guy, very smart guy, a genius in computers. Every problem you ever had in computer, over the phone, he, he solved the problem without having the screen in front of him. Most technicians, they need to go with you step by step, and they look at the screen, what you see, and then they know. By him, he can be in a car on the highway. You call him, tell me, the computer show me 4K, 2, 3, 1. 
He said, okay, press on this and this, do this. Do you see pink screen now? Go over there, do this, that, shut the computer, restart. Now you see this? He knows everything. Smart person, no? I say to someone, I can sign a personal guarantee that every time this person will get married, it will be divorced within three months. So far, I was right twice. <laughs> Why? I'm a prophet? No. I saw his lifestyle. Up at night, sleeping during the day. There's no order in his life. How long a wife would stand a person like this? She comes, she gets up in the morning, get up, go to work. 12 o'clock in the afternoon, he's still in bed. Yeah, so what is it, what's good for her that he's up all night? It gets, it gets her anything. You cannot run a life with a person like this. And I warned him from that. Told him, you, gotta, you have to understand, up to now you're single, you do whatever you want, which is also not good. Once you're going to be married, you must change your lifestyle before. If not, don't get married. It's a waste of time. Then he continues and says like this. King Solomon wrote, I passed through a field of a lazy man and a vineyard of a person that does not have a heart. No. And all of it is full of weeds. There's no, no grapes and no fruits, only weeds. How King Solomon called a lazy person doesn't have a heart. Doesn't have a heart. Cool, no? Sounds scary. That's the smartest person ever lived, wrote it. Not me. The tragedy to the life of a lazy person doesn't come in one shot. Slowly, slowly, that he doesn't feel that he's sinking into a major problem. Slowly, slowly. Like they say in Spanish, poco, poco. Poco, poco. Nobody feels. Oh, it's too late to come out. And then, many times the heart of a person knows his obligation in life. 100% what needs to be done to save his soul. Between, by, the, by his relationship with his creator, but he's still neglected. Not because he doesn't understand the urge and the importance of his obligation. Just because of laziness, nothing else. Then, of course, he makes excuses. My head, my head hurts, my back. Yeah, I, have, I have a doctor's appointment. I need to rest. All kinds of stories. We, we've been in this movie, we know. Vareu <laughs> Omer. Let me eat a little bit. Let me sleep. I need some rest. It's hard for me to leave my house right now. I already put my pajama on. Plenty of excuses. How will I get dressed again? It's too cold today. It's too hot today. It's raining. Someone is supposed to come. I, I'm waiting for him. <laughs> this was written hundreds of years ago. <laughs> Nothing has changed. The lazy people still give the same things. Until the end, the end, the person is completely disconnected from his creator. Completely disconnected. Then, he does not see that his judgment is so crooked. And he doesn't see the source of it, that it all connects to one thing, which is laziness. And he won't listen to the rabbis 
who tried to encourage him and wake him up. Why? Because he does not want to give up his laziness in comfortable, supposedly comfortable life. King David wrote in Tehillim, in Psalms, You know God, I always run to keep your commandments. No hesitation whatsoever. No hesitation. Rav Ezra Atiyah used to be a rabbi, the rabbi of Rabbi Ovadia Yosef. When he was walking in the street, he was in a different world. Nobody could have talked to him, nothing. He was walking like this, and he was in a different world. And guess what? One time they found him in Kfar Silwan, an Arab village. How did Rav Ezra Atiyah, the rabbi of Jerusalem, ended up in an Arab village, Kfar Silwan, with pouring rain all over him, sucked with water, and he didn't even feel it's raining. He's here, but his, his body is only here, but his soul is not really here. Same thing happened to Rav Ben-Zion, Abba Shaul. I tell you, I just came from Israel, and somebody gave me a DVD. That was worth for me, there's no words to describe. This is a DVD from about 30 years ago, maybe even more, of all the holiest Sephardic rabbis that lived in this and previous generations. Many of them you see in the pictures everywhere you go. We never saw them live. All the Chachamim, Rav Ben Zion Abba Shaul, made, they made a special party for what? What was the party for? The party was for the writing of Or Letzion Chelek Aleph. This famous book Rav Ben Zion Abba Shaul wrote, part one, two, three. Today we have, I think, four parts already. But the first one was. So they made a party. So came Rav Yudha Tzadka. Came Rav Masud Ben Shimon. You should see the faces of these people. You look at people, but they look like angels. One by one. All the big Chachamim, Rabbi Sharabani, all these people that already, almost all of them passed away. Rav Ovadia Yosef was in his 50s. See how he was giving his speech. How they all came. It's an amazing thing that everyone gathered together in one place. Rabbi Ovadia, to the best of my is the only one who stayed alive from all the people in that video. And you see how simple was life 30 years ago. It's amazing. You look at the people, how simple everyone was compared to today. Everyone became fancy today. You see, in one generation, what a drop in our spiritual level. Look at all the people, how they used to be so... If they were looking today like they are 30 years ago, like in that film, you would think they're homeless. They don't have what to eat. But they had what to eat. But it was just, life was very simple. Nobody cared about his image, look, that, fancy, schmancy. They were so connected to the Torah. You see right away, it's a different world. It looks like a thousand years ago. That's how it looks. Mamash, I, I feel like putting it on my website for people to see. Just to, for those who are clever to see the difference between the way a person should be and the way people became. So, the Ramchal continue, the Ramchal says like this, Ushmartem et ha-matzot, mitzvah ba liyadchal tachmitzena. A person that has a mitzvah, an opportunity to do something positive next to him, don't miss it. 
Don't be generous and give it to others. Run yourself and do it. ואמרו, לגמרא אין בבא קמא סי, לעולם יקדים אדם לדבר מצווה. A person should always run to do a דבר מצווה. Just before I went to LA and to Israel, I had a seminar here in New Jersey. I don't know, maybe three weeks, something like that, three weeks ago. There was a woman over there, a Bukharian woman that came to the seminar. She already lived many years without her husband, so she's divorced, she has two sons. She Baruch Hashem married them and all that. Her last name, she gave me permission to say the name Soleimani. That's her last name. I forgot her first name. I knew it, but three weeks ago. It's... So when she was in Israel, she lived with her father and he was blind. There were a family here in Queens that wanted to get uh, American uh, passport or green card, whatever. So the arrangement then used to be that you have to, somebody with the same last name has to go to the embassy in Israel to apply for you. I don't really know all the details. The details is not so important. The importance is that they needed somebody with the same last name. So they made a research and they found that this blind man and his daughter live in Israel. So they sent somebody to the old man. Would you go to the American embassy to apply for us? There are many brothers, I think nine or ten brothers. You have to do nine, ten applications, one for each one of them. So she was young at that time. So the father told her, we have to go. We promise we're going to do it. No, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. In the end, she agreed. She went there all day. She was filling up applications because the blind man cannot see anything. Then they all got their green cards and passports and all that, and they all became very wealthy here. Very, very wealthy family. Very, I heard they live in magnificent, huge, big houses. They have businesses, everything. Many years later, this woman comes to the United States by herself. She goes to school. She raises her children on her own. Everything fine. It's very hard, a single mom. One day, somebody arranged a shiduch for her son. And in the Sheva Brachot, after the wedding, one of the nine brothers got up and said, not that many people know that the only reason our family is here in America and all our success, we owe to one woman. She didn't know that. And he points at her. So she was thinking, ah, this guy is trying to be nice to me. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he started to tell the story how many years ago she went. For all the people in the world, God say, listen, Thanks to you, they hear. Thanks to you, they made their well. Thanks to you, they made their children went to good schools, whatever. You, your son will marry their daughter. So the daughter of the people ended up marrying her son. So, I know how many stories like this I have. How things ended up in. A, I told you once the story with the redhead girl that came to me in. A, a few years ago here, after the, uh, after the lecture, she asked me if I can find her a shiduch, a soulmate. Did you hear that story or no? no. Nobody heard that? Psh. You cannot live another day without hearing this story, I'm telling you. So she comes to me, she says, you for months, you have yeshiva there, no, fine. Uh, maybe you can find me someone who learns Torah all day. I'm looking for a really righteous man. So I said, okay, write your information down. Okay. Then a few months later, I came to that place. 
I'm connecting my laptop, my projector. I have about 100 Israeli guys and girls, seculars, waiting for a lecture about proofs. While I'm connecting all the wires, I ask the husband and wife that arranged the lecture, oh, your friend didn't come this time. So she said, oh, yeah, she just got married. So she asked me, I said, oh, Mazalto, very nice. Oh, Baruch Hashem, I don't have to worry about Shidduch for her. She got married already. She said to me, you know how she got married? You know how she got married? It has to be an important story. So I told her, no, I don't know, say. One here, yeah. Now everyone is listening. She said when she came from Russia with her parents, they were very poor. Obviously, they came to here. They don't speak English. They don't have money, no job, no nothing. So they want to send her to yeshiva, but they can't afford yeshiva. It's cost a lot of money. So somebody told them, you know, there's a Russian organization. They raise money from wealthy Russian and help poor Russians. They send their children to yeshiva. Maybe you go there, you apply, they'll help you out. So the parents went there. So they told, okay, we'll find a sponsor for your uh, daughter. So they found a Russian man, not religious, from Mill Basin in Brooklyn, that agreed to pay for her tuition. She was a little girl. So they sent her to yeshiva, and she went to the class of this girl, Orly, the one who's telling me now the story. She lives here in Queens, next to Main Street, with her husband. So, no, so now they, go, they, they were raised in the same class, in the same school, and she said all her life she never quarter even in her pocket. Never. No candy, no money for bus, nothing. That's how poor they were. And uh, one day, after she asked me if I have a shiduch for her, she went to some library or something. She was sitting over there, and one secular uh, American girl comes to her and says, Oh, you're religious, I see. Yeah, what's your name? Huh? Okay, I think I have a guy for you. I have a shidduch for you. She said to her, you have a shidduch? She said, yeah, my brother. Now she got nervous. I mean, I'm very religious. You're not religious. Who is your brother? She said, no, no, don't worry. My brother is ultra-religious, very religious. He just went to yeshiva in Monsi for a few months. He came now. He wants only a very religious girl. So, <laughs> so what happened? And she said, okay, let me try. What do I have to lose? If you say he's learning in Shiva, he was learning. Okay, so they went out a few times. Perfect match. I do a click. So after that, the parents have to meet each other. So they make an evening. That they, she comes with her parents, that the parents will meet. So they went to the place. They all have nice food, everything. They see a beautiful, fancy house. As they are sitting and the evening going on, what did they find out? that the boy that is about to marry their daughter is the son of the man who was sponsoring the girl for 16 years. Wow. You believe such a thing? 16 years is paying for an anonymous girl to go to yeshiva, and from 7 billion people in the world, which girl became his kala, his daughter-in-law? The one who is sponsoring. No? So I, so I asked the people there in the audience, no, you still need proofs that God runs the world? No, we don't. they all said, no, we don't need proofs. Serious. The story was so shocking. I said, no, no proofs. I gave them the proofs anyway. So it says like this. One Shatchan, a matchmaker, sent the father of a, of, a, of a girl to yeshiva to check a guy for his daughter. 
So he went and he checked a different guy with the same name. He told him, go to this person, Avram Cohen. He went, he found a different Avram Cohen. It's a big yeshiva, it's a common name. So now the Shatran came to Rabbi Zilberstein and he asked him, does he deserve to get paid for the matchmaking since after all he sent the father to that yeshiva with a name? Without that he would never find a guy. What well, he comes to yeshiva and says, you come with some name. Say, oh, this, this Shatran sent me to look for this guy. Oh, here is the guy. And started to talk to him. I have a daughter for you. Maybe, you know, this Shatran sent me. The kid doesn't know that much, the boy. Oh, they're offering me shidduch. Let me grab it. So this is what he told him. Listen good. He said to him, Rav Zilberstein, it says, in the next world, when a person dies, God gives him reward for things he tried to do and he failed. He tried and he did not succeed. He wanted to be a big chacham, learn Torah and want to be a rabbi. But he wasn't so great. He did not become a rabbi. In the end, he's maybe serving tea in the yeshiva. That's it. But he tried. But it didn't work out. In this world, he said to him, you only get paid if you succeed if you did what you were hired for. But in the real world, God pays you for every drop of sweat who came from your forehead. See what a beautiful answer he gave him? Which means, you can be a mechanic now. Somebody brings you a car. I have an ele electrical short problem. You work one week on a car, from morning to night, checking this, you didn't solve the problem. Not only you don't get a paid a dollar, you are subject to a lawsuit. A person, if he's angry, he can sue you for wasting a week of his time. You have the nerve to ask me for money? You wasted a week, my car is in the garage for a week, I'm taking cabs every day. You have to pay me for all my time. And my <laughs> That's how people would talk. I, the poor guy, worked a week. Not my problem, it's his problem. No court will make you pay him if he didn't solve the problem. Clear, no? We're lucky that it's not like this in a real judgment. Because almost nothing we succeed. Who can raise his hand and say one time in his life he did what God told him from A to Z, 100%, for the sake of heaven, without a pride, without ego, without thinking, what do I get out of it? Really pure. Hmm, can count on one hand. Really pure. Agmara said Rabbi Yochanan had two nephews, very wealthy. One time he had a very bad dream that they're losing 700 coins of gold, which means like $700,000 today. Right away he called them in. He told them, I want you to give 683 coins of gold to the yeshiva immediately. Now they knew their uncle is a holy man. He never asked for money. All their ears. He said, ah, we're surprised. What happened? He said, I had a very bad dream. You're about to lose it. So we might as well quickly do it. No, and he didn't tell him in the beginning. He first told him, don't ask questions, give the 683, that's it. Okay, they gave the money. Few days later, they come to him, uncle, don't ask what happened. The soldiers, the police from the Caesar came to us now, the Roman Caesar, he sends his people, what we call today IRS. He sent them in and say, uh, you have to pay 700 coins of gold to the king for not paying taxes. 
what are we going to do now? We'll be bankrupt. We just gave 683 to the yeshiva, another 700, we finished. So he told him, don't worry, everything will be fine. When the soldiers come again, the representative just prepare 17 coins of gold and give it to him and say, this is for you, leave us alone. You'll take the bribe and everything will be fine. So the holy men say, I don't ask questions. When he comes back, he says, no, where is the money? Where is your papers? Say, here, this is for you. Leave us alone. 17 coins of gold. Puts it in his, there was no cameras yet. Puts it in his pocket, never heard from him again. So they came back to him and said, how did you know to tell us to give 17? What is this, gimatria tov? No, you do gimatria, 17? He said, no, no, I had a dream that you're about to lose 700. So they said, so I said, that's why I didn't want you to lose the money to this wicked Caesar. I wanted you at least to lose it to go to the Torah. So like this, it's not a loss. It's a profit. So they said, but why didn't you tell us to give the whole 700? Why we gave him 17 coins of gold? It's a lot. He said, I wanted to see how the dreams come true. <laughs> this is exactly how it came through. Like this, 683 and 17, exactly what it is. I tell you the whole 700, I'll never know if the dream came through or not. You understand? So, one time, you know, Rav Shach, he went, when he was a kid, his name, he was, his name was Eliezer. You know, I tell you how the story starts. Rav Steinman, a big rabbi in Eretz Israel, I think he's 99 years old. Very old man, bright, very, very big chacham. So, and, and the most important thing about him, that he's extremely righteous. Chacham, Baruch Hashem, there are chachamim, but extremely righteous person. With great emunah in Hashem, mamash devoted. In his house, even though millions of dollars pass through his hand every year to all the yeshivot, you know how he sits, how they sit, you know the chairs in their house, is the milk cart. You know the milk cart that they serve the milk with? That we throw it away, this plastic? From that they made chairs. Very simple life they live. They don't want to enjoy this world at all. Just connected to God, that's it. Very high level people. So one time he went to Lakewood, to Rav Kotler. Rabbi Kotler, his grandfather started Lakewood Yeshiva. His father was there and now he's the grandson. He's the Rosh Yeshiva of Lakewood. And he's seen a wall unit Two old shoes, pair of shoes with dust, with holes, from the old days. See these ancient shoes, nobody makes shoes like this anymore. Inside with all the silver. So I asked him, Rav Steinman, what's the shoes do inside the wall unit? <laughs> Two old shoes with the dust. He said, oh, my grandfather bought these shoes for a lot of money. And he gave it to my father, who gave it to me. But it actually was his grandfather from his mother's side. It was Rav Meltzer, also a very big chacha. He was Rosh Yeshiva in Europe. There was a big war, First World War, and bombs were falling all over close to the Yeshiva. The rabbi had young kids, high school kids. He said, everyone has to close his books, pack your stuff, go home until the war will be over. When the bomb, bombing will be finished, please return to Yeshiva. So everyone packed and they left. One of the kids, his name was Eliezer. He went home with the train. His mother see him showing up in the middle of the day. She said, what are you doing here? It's supposed to be in yeshiva. 
They say, yeah, you know, bombs are falling. The rabbi was afraid to take responsibility for us, so he said, let's go home, and we'll come back when the war is over. So the mother was a very righteous woman. She said, what kind of rabbi is this? He doesn't know that when people learn Torah, they are much more protected than when they sit home and doing nothing. Return immediately to yeshiva. He said, with what money? The money that I had, I spent already for the train to come back. You have more money to give me? She said, no, very poor people. She said, I don't care, you can walk. As far as I'm concerned, you walk. Didn't make a beat, not like the kids today. <laughs> can talk to the wall. He packed his stuff right away, and he started to walk. How long he walked? One week, from morning to night with a huge bag. High school kid. He walked all the way, and he returned to the shiva. It was all dark and empty, except the rabbi sitting there with a the candle and learning. Then he see this boy Eliezer came in. What are you doing here? You went home, no? A week ago. Say, yeah, but this is what my mother said. I had to walk home. He said, you walked all the way from your home to here with this bag? I have a choice. Don't have money for the train. He felt so bad, this rabbi. He, want, he wanted to do something for this boy. So he told him, I want to buy these shoes from you. Do you allow me to buy your shoes? I give you a lot of money for it. So he gave him like 300 rubles or something that was worth a lot more than a pair of shoes. And uh, you know, the boy was embarrassed. The rabbi wants my shoes. Okay, take the shoes. I gave him the money. Go buy yourself different shoes and keep the rest of the money. Who was this boy? Rav Eliezer Man Shach, the biggest rabbi in the world of the last 50 years. Passed away 107 years old. He walked uh, uh, one week for the love of the Torah. And uh, of Kotler in Lakewood, if you ever go there, ask to see these shoes. It's in his wall unit. As a memory, what is a kosher Jew is willing to do for the Torah? Today we go two, three hours, not here. No air condition. <laughs> Who? What do they do with all the donations, this yeshiva? I'm telling you what's going on here. I'm not coming anymore. Rabbi, you want me to come here? No problem. You know, I like everything, fine. But, you know, you put the air condition on. <laughs> I don't like this tea. Make sure you get Persian tea. It's tastier. This is what Hashem said in the Torah. Ki lo The Torah is not in heaven to say who's going to bring it that we should do. It's not across the ocean. It's right in your hand, very close to you to do. It's a piece of cake. Much easier than what people think. Return to the Ramchal. You should know one rule. If two people did something, one person started the mitzvah but didn't finish it, and one person came and finished it, who is greater? The one who did the first half or the one who finished? We have proofs in the Torah that the Torah only mentioned the one who finished the mitzvah. The one who left it in the middle is almost nothing. The one who came and finished, get all the reward. Ena mitzvah nikret ela al shem gomra. Person who finished the mitzvah. All the actions of the righteous people are always fast. Avraham Avinu, Abraham, God comes to him and says, take your only son and kill him. He doesn't waste a second. Run five in the morning, run quickly to, to do the mitzvah. He had all day. He could have done it in the evening. No, no, no. Mitzvah, you got to do quick. Rivka, 
רבקה, וימהר אברהם האוהלה אל שרה, אברהם רנט, when he sold the guest, he rent quickly to serve them. same thing, וייתן אל הנער, וימהר, and also רבקה, what's with רבקה? ותמהר ותער קדה, אליעזר קם, and say right away, she brings water for the camel. ותמהר, the Torah used the word and she hurry up. She didn't waste time. מצווה יגאלה הרי אפ. You do it slow, it's showing that you're not happy doing it. אדם עולה להר, a person goes to the mountain. A bag is very heavy on his back. Very heavy. Why is going? Somebody asks him to do a favor to take the diamonds all the way up to the mountains to give it to somebody else. After 10 minutes he's sweating, he's dying from the heat. He's very upset. He said, why am I such a fool? that I always volunteer to help others for free. He dropped the bag on the floor, he sits on a rock, he goes crazy. His wife calling him, don't call me again. Every hour you call, he's ready to kill somebody now. The person who sent him is watching him all, all along. Then he calls him, he says, hey, Itzik, I forgot to tell you something. What is it? These diamonds that I gave you, when you get to the top of the mountain, the person over there only takes three diamonds out of the big bag and all the rest is for you, the reward for your efforts. What happened to this person from now on? <laughs> Gets up, the bag doesn't weigh anymore, the heat is no heat, his wife all of a sudden is the love of his life. She calls, oh darling, why you call every hour? You have to call every minute. <laughs> Everything changed. Well, change. It's the same thing. The same way, the same heat, the same mountain, the same wife, the same everything. He just realized I'm earning. I'm not working for free. This is what Hashem says in Torah. What do you think? You're doing me a favor? Everything you're doing, according to my Torah, it's for you. I don't need anything from you. The world is perfect without you, before you. I was perfect before I made you and the world. I will be perfect after this world. I don't need anything from you. I gave you an opportunity to earn. You don't want to earn? Don't earn. Like some people say, Rabbi, I want to be religious, but only the minimum requirements. Don't want too much. Don't want my husband to go learn Torah, like all this. Ah, that's what I want. I want vacations. I want to go to the malls. I want a nice car. I want two or three or five or 15 maids. You know, I don't, I don't want this. Well, I, of course I'm going to keep Shabbat. Well, I understand. You don't keep Shabbat, you're not the Jew. Of course. But, uh, you know, there's a limit. I don't I want to wear pants. What's the problem? I want, uh, you know, I don't want to cover my hair. I don't want this. Kosher, I'll eat a little bit. At, at least in the house, I promise. When we go out, no. You know, all this nonsense that I hear all the time. How long you want to live in a fake life? How long? There is either a true or nothing. No in between. Prove the Torah is not from God, do nothing. You're dismissed. Why? To do even one thing. But nobody can prove. That's the point. Everyone tried to criticize the Torah. Nobody ever did. Nobody can succeed. It's nobody. So if it's divine, this is what the Torah says. ad Hashem elokecha. Return all the way to me, not halfway. Not halfway. Today they invented the world. They invented the word. Modern Orthodox. Modern Orthodox today, tw today, it's one level above conservative. 
and conservative is one level above reform. One big rabbi in Israel said a few days ago, a few, or maybe two weeks ago, that the difference between, mother, between conservative to reform is five years. Five years difference. The conservative today will be what the reform are in five years. That's all, five years difference. They almost do everything the same with some changes. Give them five years, they follow them, five years. And the modern orthodox, 10 years behind the conservative. Almost everything that they do today, the conservative used to do 15, 20 years ago. Not anymore. When a person decides, I have to make a discount, I have to lower my level, even 5%, is going to end up in a bottom, in zero. Just the idea that a person say, I don't want to be what God say in the Torah. I just want to be 70%, it's enough for me. Then from here, all you can expect that is going to go all the way down to zero, and if not, it's a miracle. Once a person starting to fall, there's no end. Every week, the evil inclination will convince him to go one step reverse, another step, another step, another step. You know how many Israeli Knesset members are Orthodox from birth? You'll be surprised. They are the biggest religion haters. All the laws against religions come from them. As one of them even still have a yarmulke on, size of a quarter, but still works with a yarmulke. I'll show you a film, what he say about God and the religion. Even Ahmadinejad would not dare to say such a thing. I don't think even Hitler say what he said. We don't want religion here. <laughs> we don't want to make this country like Iran. We have to separate the religion from the politics. <laughs> you can't ask for a bigger enemy for religion with the Yavaka, size of a quarter. You know who I'm talking about or no? Burg. Avram Burg, Shem Reshaim Irkav. Everything he could, he did against God and the religion. Call himself religious. That's what's happening. He's, he's calling himself modern orthodox. It's a big embarrassment for the nice modern orthodox. I know many modern orthodox that are very righteous people. The problem is that putting myself in this kind of league doesn't have a bright future. Because reality, reality shows when a person wants to put himself in a lower level, he will end up in a bottom in the end. If not him, his children. This is what happened. Do you know the first reform 200 years ago, how religious they were? Just like any Orthodox you see today, they only started to neglect one mitzvah of tzitzit. They say, ah, tzitzit it doesn't re is not relevant anymore. That's how it started. Today they marry men with men, they make bar mitzvah to their dogs. <laughs> you saw on YouTube or no? Bar mitzvah for the dog, you didn't see? <sighs> One thing for sure, they bought a kosher tefillin for the dog. <laughs> anyway, if I'm not going to do the job, nobody will do the job for me. We have to know it. Then the Ramchal says, the prophet Hosea, chapter 6, verse 3, 
יצא ונדעה, נרדפה לדעת את השם. We have to know that we have to run with all her strength to know God. God had put every inch of my energy just for that. That's why I was created for, nothing else. Everything else will come easy if we will do the right thing. The work of the righteous people are done by others. All you have to do is to decide you want to be righteous. And the rest all will happen by itself. You don't have to worry. Motor vehicle, auction, problem, work, traffic, subway. Don't have. Just decide that you want to be God, me and you are like magnets from now on. Everything will fall into place. We had a guy in yeshiva, Lior Edri. Baal Tshuva, two years, that's it. Rep made repentance two years ago. He had $100, that's all he had. That's his sold. He sell him $100, last $100. One person had an emergency. He needed $100, he came and gave him his last $100. After 10, 20 minutes, he walked on Main Street in Monsi. There's a gas station over there. He find next to the gas station $100 on the street. Few minutes after he gave the money, he found $100. He came to me and said, can you believe such miracle happened to me? I gave this guy a hundred My last hundred dollars. Then I started to think, wow, I left with not a dollar I don't have. Then I found a hundred dollars on the street. So I told him, you fool, what are you happy about? It's not a good sign. You got paid in this world. It takes away from your reward there. When I saw he got, uh, his smile was wiped out, I said, no, no, don't worry. The real reward is in the next life. <laughs> So why am I telling you the story about this guy? His parents decided to come from Israel to visit him. So they were in Mansi for two weeks. He found them a place. Mansi is a place of chesed. People open their homes for strangers. You can sleep. You can eat for free. So what happened? After two weeks, the flight is tomorrow morning. What time they have to leave Mansi? Five in the morning. Until they get there, before traffic, they have to leave five in the morning. His father said to him, we have four big suitcases, your mother and I. Did you arrange a car? Just a regular cab cannot take four big suitcases. We need a big minivan. He said to him, did you arrange a car? Now this guy has such faith with God, this Leo. Now he moved to Israel. He said to him, Abba, there is a boss to the world who runs the show. Why do you worry so much? Now we need a car, no. Tomorrow morning we need a car. If we deserve a car, we'll have a car. <laughs> his father is not in his level. His father says, my son is crazy. But he is with 100% faith. Strong faith this guy is. Mehmet, strong. Mamash, lucky guy that he made to such a level. He gets up in the morning, 4.30. He goes to Hashem, Hashem, I need a car in half an hour. And I don't need a regular car. I need a van. But I trust you 100%, you know. He goes to the mikveh. In Shiva, in the basement, there's a mikveh. He goes to the mikveh. True story, I'm giving you names. Please go and investigate if I'm exaggerating or not. He goes into the mikveh. He finds a guy that still today learns in Monsignor Shiva. All you have to do, I'll give you his telephone number if you want. His name is Gilad Busi. He learns almost all days in Shiva. Once in a while, he goes to the auction. He buys cars, sells cars, car dealer. To make a living, that's it. But he learns in yeshiva. Loves Torah, Yemenite guy, Gilad Busi. He's a married guy. 
And here they meet in the mikveh, 4.30 in the morning. Oh, Gilad, how are you? Oh, Lior, how are you? Gilad, do you have an idea where can I get a minivan? He takes a key, he says, here, I just bought a minivan last night from the auction. It's outside with the dealer plate. <laughs> he gives him the key. <laughs> so very good. Abba, I told you Hashem will send a minivan. 4.30, they didn't have a minivan. 5 o'clock, the minivan was already with four suitcases. This is when a person lives with faith, life becomes a piece of cake. All the problems we have is lack of emunah. Not enough faith. We pay the price. You think you do the job? Hashem leaves it to you. Okay, you do, and I help. Whatever you need me, I'll help. What is it like? Like a boy that he has ego. His father is a multi-millionaire. And his father said, I want to buy you a business. A million dollar business. No, no, I'm going to do it on my own. You know the kids? No. Why you don't take from your father? He's worth a billion dollars. No, I'm going to do it on my own. He's 55 years old. No, I'm going to do it on my own. <laughs> Give up already. No, no, I'm going to do it on my own. So what happened? So let's see, he, he kills himself, kills himself five years. Okay, finally save half a million dollars. So he said, okay, Abba, can you help me with half a million? So he said, okay, here is a half a million in a second. If he raised 200,000, the father will give him 800,000. If he raised 100, the father will give him 900. If he raised $2, the father will give him 900,000, 99,000, and 998. That's it. The father has plenty. It's no problem. You just have to show him how you need help, and you have faith in him, he'll give you. No problem. You want to do it yourself? Do it yourself. But this is what the people don't understand. They want to do it. My strength is bringing me all this success. And Hashem says, no, no, don't forget that everything you have came from me. I gave you, I decide what you have. Thanks to me, you have everything. Translation. When a person will finally realize the greatness, the level of keeping the mitzvah, the commandments, and his obligation to do it, of course it would wake up his heart to be serious in his mission. So what's the problem? Who understood? I repeat again the sentence in English. When a person will finally realize the greatness of the level of keeping the commandments and his obligation to do it, for sure it will wake up his heart to follow and fulfill his mission. So what's the obstacle? What's the reason that a person is not doing what he's supposed to? He is not realizing how important it is. Ah. Big deal, Shabbat. Don't make a big deal. Ah, so I didn't do it like this. I re I'm religious in my way, Rabbi. You're religious in your way. I'm religious in my way. I'm modest in my way. Mini skirt is also modest. I wear white pants. Believe me, it's more modest. <laughs> when a person wants to justify his way, he's a great speaker. 
They all of a sudden mute people become great phenomenal speakers. They give speeches to justify their wickedness. Who said that this is not? Oh, all of a sudden the brain begins to think. Why? They'll do everything they can to relax their conscience. If you write in a Torah in the last page, Dear Jew, after you read all my Torah and my commandments, if you feel that you, it's too hard for you, I dismiss you from anything. No problem. No punishment. Don't worry. You, whatever you like, you do the rest. No problem. No punishment. Do you think there would be any person in history who would try to criticize the Torah? <laughs> Evolution, Darwin, Big Bang, that, this. Where it comes from all this nonsense? From only one thing. If I admit I live in suffering in my conscience all the time, I live in a lie. Who wants to know, knowing, admitting he lives in a lie? Such a loser to live all my life in a lie? I will twist the entire world to justify my crooked way. What is it like? Like a genius driver went on a highway in the opposite direction. He calls his wife. He says, what's happening? Everyone is drunk today. <laughs> They're all driving against traffic. His wife's telling him, you fool, make a U-turn. You are the one. <laughs> it happens to me once. Two o'clock at night on the way to Muncie on the Palisades Park where a car comes. <laughs> in full speed. I move to the right. If not, that's it. Like, who knows what he took, this guy. Ay, 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 ay. Time is running out. Once a person would know to... Re to to recognize to himself his obligation to his creator who benefits him every second of his life. It will help him not to be lazy and to really fulfill his obligations. Once he will feel his, how lucky he is and how grateful he has to be to the source who gives him everything he has, then of course it will be easy to serve him. What is it like? A person just came to you and said to you, look, I see you very poor man. You're freezing. You sleep on a bench in a park. Here's a million dollars. Buy yourself a nice place, one car. You have enough money to live 20 years. Here, I, I want to help you. Take it. After he gave it to him, he said, just one favor. Give me a hundred bucks. You know, someone would say no. <laughs> I also know one. I also know someone. It's like sometimes they give them a whole bag of pretzels. Then you say, okay, give Abba two. Oof. You say, I can have the whole bag. You have 500, give two. Okay. You're almost on the floor now. So, let's conclude. Laziness comes from lack of fear from God. No fear. Ah, I'm not bothered. Because even a person that his nature is lazy, lazy person, his laziness is his nature. It's a very lazy person. He can, three hours he's thinking, will I get up from my chair to make myself tea? Yes, no. Three hours. Yes, no. Yes, no. Oh, his wife passed. Miriam, make me tea, please. Three hours. He get up, not to get up. He doesn't move. So obviously he's lazy, no? 
but he's afraid from his boss. At work, he works like a tiger. Right? His boss will fire him. So he doesn't want to get fired. So all of a sudden, this lazy guy at work, his father come and see how his son work. I know a father. 12 o'clock cannot move his son from his bed. All of a sudden, the boy got a job, good job, good pay, works in a supermarket. You should see, 6 o'clock he gets up, Right away, he comes to the store, opens, works, set up the place, work 12, 13 hours a day like a tiger. Why? He got one or two warnings already in the first week. He got the point. One more time, I'm going to mess up. I lose the job. All of a sudden, he's a hard-working guy. But Shabbat comes. Get up. Davening. I come to Mincha. <laughs> he didn't change. Now he has a gun to his head. Ah, with a gun to his head. Everyone will keep Shabbat with a gun to the head. But there's no reward for it. So, a lazy person is afraid from his boss. So if a person knows who God is, he's afraid from his boss. But he doesn't know him, so he's not afraid of him. So he stays lazy for the rest of his life. I, I tell you, in our yeshiva, People come, they all come not religious, and then they become religious. They begin to see the light of the Torah. So the beginners, at least the first two, three months, it's still hard for them to get up in the morning to shachrit. So everyone, all, everyone try to wake up everyone. So let this guy, Itzik, try to wake up Avi. Avi, kum, davening started already. Ah, uh, no, I'm tired, I slept late. But as soon as the Rosh Yeshiva arrived, they hear his voice from the first room. You should see how they all jump like tigers. Right away, ah, chick, getting dressed. Like they try to pretend they're up already 10 minutes. Ah, you didn't wake me up. So what do we see here? It's all depends who wakes you up. If a person knows Hashem is watching me, snooze 500 times like this. What, when a person finally opens up his eyes, what does he gain by sleeping another five minutes? Snooze, 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 15 more minutes. Did he really gain anything? Nothing. It's all the Yetzirah. Abali ta'er mesayim lo. Someone who decided that he wants to get pure, God will help him a lot. Open me the size of a needle. I'll open you the size of the world. But you have to make the first step, God says to every person. When a person chooses his way, whether it's positive or negative, he will get the help necessary to walk through that path, even if it's negative. But then he's going to pay the price. You want to go and kill? You want to go and steal? Who helps you to walk? Who helps you to think? Who gives you oxygen when you walk? If God wanted, he shrink your heart for 20 seconds and you finished. He makes you walk. You get, you run away. You escaped. You got the gun, you had the money for the gun, you shot, it hit, you were able to throw it to the lake, you pretend that you were not there, all kinds of things. Well, who, who really helped you in the end? But don't worry, God has patience. In the end, you'll pay for what you did. It's not an immediate justice. The Torah already explained that. So, a lazy person even finally sits in a class coming to learn is really not learning. Because he's way is so heavy and slow and with no desire that even when he finally comes, he doesn't gain anything from the learning. What's the difference 
between a Jew that knows Torah to a person, Jew or non-Jew, that doesn't have Torah? What's the difference? What's the main difference? That a person that has Torah, he understands Torah, he understands we came to this world to work very hard. The world is not a picnic. Every other person, a Jew, a secular Jew or a Goy, that doesn't have Torah, he thinks that we came to the world to receive and to eat and to enjoy. That's what their approach is. And when they don't get it, they get very upset. Bad luck, horrible life, I better shoot myself in the head. Let me take some pills and kill myself. What life is this? I'm 40, I'm, I don't have five million dollars yet, all my friends made it. I don't understand the concept of life, Bechlal. I think we came here for here, for, for being here and eating and drinking and, and dancing. They don't understand it's all an illusion. You have X amount of time to collect as much as you can for your eternity. Jews and non-Jews, they also have heaven. In a lower level, but it's heaven. It's a divine heaven. I wish all my secular friends this heaven that the Gentiles will have for keeping the seven laws. Much better than the place those people go. If they, unless if they make repentance. Many Jewish people that I know, I already see where they're going to. They do not understand, but it's not changing reality. All the women who walk not modest, all kinds of provocative clothes, this, that. You know what a price there is to pay for it? Every man looks at them on the street, thinking about them. They have to pay for each one separately. Multiplied by 20, 30, 40 years that people pay attention to her. There's no end to her punishment. There's no end. There's no way to calculate it. It can be thousands of years until she finished with one or two guys for all the sins he made because of her. How many marriages she broke, how many arguments she caused between husbands and wife, and who knows what. And if she's famous, a model, movie star, multiplied by a million. Because now much more people watching her. All these movie stars, it's very strange how people are jealous with them. In reality, they are the ones who will get the biggest punishments. Everyone in the media, his punishment is multiplied by millions. Because an average person, how many people gives him attention? 200, 300 people a day? You're a famous movie star, and 150 million people watch you per day. You have to pay for each one of them. If you're not modest, if you knew all the things that they have in the movies, every one of the people who thought something that God does not permit, she has to pay for it. Now, do you still want to be a movie star? I hope you change your mind. Sometimes people come to me, and my dream is to be a filmmaker. One guy from Canada decided to go a few months in LA. When I was in LA, he came to see me. What are you doing in LA? I always had a dream to be a filmmaker. I said, huh? You keep Shabbat, you're listening to my lecture, and you have this nonsense in your mind. No, no. You know what movies I'm dreaming to think? All of a sudden, it became the Lubavitcher Rebbe. My dream is to spread Judaism to the world, to make a movie. I hope he's right. Movies is dangerous. Movies can design people's mind. People are empty, remember. Most people have no brain. The brain is really empty and, and rusty. So every lousy filmmaker can make a film and twist history in a minute. Whatever people see in a movie, that's what they believe. It's enough. He makes the entire movie like the story, but he changed four or five details. He changed the entire point. Can take a rotten, wicked person and make him an angel in a movie, or the other way around. 
That's what they do. What do you think? They tell you the whole truth. So, the more a person is closer to the truth with knowledge and actions, the more people hate him. That's a rule in life, remember. The more you are closer to God in your dress, in your talking, in your learning, in your behaving, in everything that you do, the more all the wicked people in the world will hate you. It must be that way, don't eat your heart. The more religious the Jews are, the more the secular Jews and the Gentiles hate them. There's nothing you can do about it. If they see a religious Jew or a non-religious Jew, automatically they hate the religious Jew much more. And among the Jews, a secular Jew and a, non and a religious Jew, the seculars, most of them are allergic to the, to the religious Jews. Even Rabbi Akiva, that became the greatest Jew in history, admitted that when he was secular up to age 40, when he saw a religious person, he was thinking to take a piece of a cheek of a donkey and hit the religious person to kill him. That's how much he hated him. Now in Israel it's the same thing. I'll give you an example. We posted on my Facebook page a picture. Somebody did it. It's not my picture. I just wrote, what do you think about this picture? I didn't say what's my opinion. I didn't say if I like the picture, I hate the picture, nothing. I just asked, what do you think? I wanted to open a dialogue. What do you think about this picture? What was the picture? The picture was a Hamas terrorist having a baby on his back, hanging like in a bag, that is a booby, a bum, you know, and he's taking a woman in front of him with a gun, and the woman is his shield. That's what they do. They come with innocent people, or they, oh, the Hezbollah, they put all their places among Lebanese, Lebanese citizens. That when you come to attack them, you have to kill innocent, supposedly, people, and the whole world make a noise. Ah, you killed nine innocent people. They go and hide. They don't care about their own people. Let them die. So there, there's one side, this terrorist, hiding behind a woman, and has a baby as a bomb, trapped completely. And the other side, Israeli soldier, and the woman holding a baby behind him. So the soldier is the shield of the woman. That's the picture. So most of the people wrote, this is reality. <laughs> but some people, they started to talk against religion. What is that? What's this picture has to do with religion? Can you tell me what's the... They, no matter what you do, they take it and start taking, talking against religion and religious people. One person over there, this is the face of religion, this is this, this is that. This is that. So one other person asked him, can you explain to me please, what's the connection between this political picture to the religion? Can you, one connection, there's no connection, nobody speaks about religion here. It's a, it could be a secular soldier, and a, and a Hamas terrorist, nothing to do with religion here. No matter what, just against the religion. But that's, all, that's good. It's a good sign. Because this is what it says. The Goim, they hate Israel, and the Israel, the Amea Ratzot, the, the ignorant Jews, hate the Talmidei Chachamim. One last thing, every year, God decree how much suffering a person will have by a weight. The nature of the suffering, it does not decide for you. 
you bring it on yourself by the way you do, you behave, walking, doing, but how much suffering a person will get, it's, up, it's already decided. So now, if you're supposed to get 500 pounds of suffering this year, and you wake up every morning, 6.30 or 7 in the morning, to go to the synagogue for one hour to pray, when it's freezing, when it's hot, whatever, some people get up to move the car. They don't want to get a $100 ticket. Some people move to go to pray. So now, a person who woke up early and go to work to make money, and a person who woke up early to go to pray, right? So the person who went to pray, the suffering that he puts into getting up in the morning and going and praying, it's, this, it's deducted from his total suffering that he's supposed to get. So if he does it all year and he does a lot for others, slowly, slowly he doesn't get any because he already suffered by keeping the mitzvot. Other people who don't keep the mitzvot, <laughs> they will still get the suffering without any reward. At least the person who keeps mitzvot, he sometimes suffers and sacrifices a lot from his energy for this mitzvot. But he earns a lot. But the other person who just suffers, he gets nothing. You understand the difference? So you can take the amount of suffering that you're supposed to get anyway and shift it to do positive things with this. That's what the Chazal say. Allah lu ratzim v'anachnu ratzim. They are running and we are running. Really, the life of a religious Jew and a not religious Jew are very similar. He gets on the bus, he gets on the bus. He gets on the train, he gets on the train. He listens to Walkman, he listens to Walkman. He reads something, he reads something. He has a wife, he has a wife. He drives a car, he drives a car. He's in traffic, he's in traffic. He eats steak, he eats steak. Really, almost if you compare, 90% is the same. Just the religious guy has limits. This woman allowed, this one not allowed, that's all. This is my wife, this is not. He has limits. The other one does whatever he wants. Eat and drink and enjoy the moment. That's his life. The other one knows my limitation. Allowed, not allowed, kosher, not kosher, permitted, not permitted, good, bad, positive, negative. That's it. One earns eternity. One earns eternity full of suffering. For what? For almost the same life. Almost the same. If you really think about it, Mamash, there's really, today, especially with the technology of today, very easy to keep Shabbat. Very easy. The light goes on, off, cooking is done for you automatically. Everything today is Shabbos mode, even Shabbos elevated. Almost everything. Almost everything the same. Huh? They eat, some friends come, they eat on Friday, kosher, not kosher. They don't say blessing. Big deal. Three minutes to say blessing. That's really the difference. He drinks wine, he drinks wine. He eats meat, he eats meat. What's really the difference? He walked and he drove with a car 10 minutes. This is really the difference. He could have lived without driving. It's no problem. He walk an extra 10 minutes. It's really the differences are very minor. One earns eternity, one loses everything. When a person realizes from some stupid things that he likes to do on Shabbat or in other days, what price there is to pay when the bill will be served to him? Will kill himself. I'm crazy. What if if I only dreamed that this is gonna be my end? I'll never dare to even think to do it. God, I'm begging you. 
What are you punishing me for eating toast in a mall at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Shabbat? What did I get for it that I'm losing so much? It's not fair. Now nobody will help you. Scream until tomorrow. Once you got to the court of heaven, it's over. Then you remember me. No, I'm serious. Then you remember all the lectures and all the other speakers who begged you day and night, wake up. You have doubts about the Torah? No problem. Come, challenge, argue. No problem. Perfectly legit. But don't choose to live in a life for the rest of your life or half enough. Sometimes half enough is worse than zero. You learn half of the story, it's more dangerous than not know the entire story. Because half of the story, you come to the wrong conclusion. Not knowing anything, you see, do nothing. With the wrong information, half of the information is missing. You ended up in a massive, horrible situation. We finished chapter uh, 8 today, which is the Zrizut, Bezrat Hashem. And uh, we'll start Bezrat Hashem next week, chapter 9. But uh, I did a few good pages today, Bezrat Hashem. Now I have another lecture in Bet Gavriel in Hebrew. If you want, you're welcome there. Thank you very much. Thank you.